Hey everyone, I'm Chris. Today we're reading from 1 Samuel 2 and starting at 12, going through to 26. Eli's sons were scoundrels. They had no regard for the Lord. Now it was the practice of the priest that whenever any of the people offered a sacrifice, the priest's servant would come with a three-pronged fork in his hand while the meat was being boiled and would plunge the fork into the pan or kettle or cauldron or pot. Whatever the fork brought up, the priest would take for himself. This is how they treated all the Israelites who came to Shiloh. But even before the fat was burned, the priest's servant would come and say to the person who was sacrificing, give the priest some of the meat to roast. He won't accept boiled meat from you, but only raw. If the person said to him, let the fat be burned first and then take whatever you want, the servant would answer, no, hand it over now. If you don't, I'll take it by force. This sin of the young men was very great in the Lord's sight, for they were treating the Lord's offering with contempt. But Samuel was ministering before the Lord, a boy wearing a linen ephod. Each year his mother made him a little robe and took it to him when she went up with her husband to offer the annual sacrifice. Eli would bless Elkanah and his wife, saying, May the Lord give you children by this woman to take the place of the one she prayed for and gave to the Lord. Then they would go home. And the Lord was gracious to Hannah. She gave birth to three sons and two daughters. Meanwhile, the boy Samuel grew up in the presence of the Lord. Now Eli, who was very old, heard about everything his sons were doing to all Israel and how they slept with the women who served at the entrance to the tent of meeting. So he said to them, Why do you do such things? I hear from all the people about these wicked deeds of yours. No, my sons. The report I hear spreading among the Lord's people is not good. If one person sins against another, God may mediate for the offender. But if anyone sins against the Lord, who will intercede for them? His sons, however, did not listen to their father's rebuke, for it was the Lord's will to put them to death. And the boy Samuel continued to grow in stature and in favour with the Lord and with people. Thank you, Chris. Uh, and it really is good, uh, well, to be amongst you, uh, opening up God's word. I've been away for six weeks with Ruth, and it was a lovely, refreshing time. And it certainly was strange driving back into the Central Coast into lockdown. Uh, but we're, we're very energised, uh, and we're so thankful for the time we've had away. Uh, and I'm so glad to be able to open up God's word with you this morning. Uh, but I want to start with four movie characters, and I'll pop them up right now. And what I want you to do, I wonder whether you recognise any of these faces on the screen. Um, maybe try to work out the name of each character, uh, the movie that, that they're from, uh, and what all four of them have in common. Uh, how do you go? How do you go with all them? Uh, so uh, let me, well, let me start unpacking it. The first one is Gaston from Beauty and the Beast. Now, at, you know, at the start of the movie, he's good looking. He looks like the beautiful one, uh, but he, he ends up being quite a beast uh, from his behaviour and his bullying. The next one is Biff from Back to the Future. And Biff is the guy who kind of makes life miserable for Marty McFly, the hero. Uh, the third one is Johnny from Karate Kid. 
Uh, and he's the one that sort of picks on the new boy at school, Danny LaRusso. And uh, yeah, so Johnny's part of the Cobra Kai dojo. Uh, and that's, that's a key part of the movie. And the fourth one, uh, which is a movie I only just saw this week, because I thought I want, a, I want a girl in the mix as well. And this is Regina from the movie Mean Girls. Now, what do all these people have in common? They are all bullies. They all make life miserable for the people around them. Now, you might look back on your life uh, and there are people who have bullied you. And sadly, bullies are not confined to the schoolyard. Often at school, that's when we're first introduced to bullies. Uh, but no matter what stage of life you're at, bullies can make your life miserable and make you feel unsafe. But you would, you would hope it would be different amongst God's people. You'd hope that amongst God's people in the church, it would be a safe place. Now, that's certainly my prayer. I pray that here in our church, God will protect us from people who are self-centered, self-serving, abusive. Uh, that God would protect us from people who make us feel unsafe and make our lives miserable. And yet, it sometimes happens. Uh, there are some churches where bullies are even in leadership over God's people and they hurt God's people uh, and the church. So I want to ask the question, how do we protect ourselves from this? How do we protect our, ourselves and our church from people who would hurt us? And the more important question, what, what is God doing to protect us? How will God shield us and keep us safe? What we'll see this morning is God's protective love in action. Uh, he is such a good God, our Heavenly Father. And we'll see the way he deals with wicked and abusive leaders. We'll see that that arises out of his care and genuine love for us to protect and provide for us. So we're opening up the book of Samuel, 1 Samuel. And I want to encourage you, get your Bible out and open it up. Even if it's on your phone or on a device, what I want to encourage you to do, you know how you know, you're sitting in your lounge room or maybe in your bedroom or whatever, and there is, there is an opportunity to be distracted if you let yourself. You know, and so you can sort of be looking at Facebook at the same time as listening to me or whatever. But what I want to encourage you to do as we gather online is to actually is deliberately put those other things aside and say, no, I'm going to give this time to hearing God and in a strange kind of way, gathering with his people. Uh, and so open your Bibles up uh, to 1 Samuel. Uh, and I want to take you to the first few verses of this book. 1 Samuel chapter 1, verse 3. And it says this, Hophni and Phinehas, the two sons of Eli, were priests of the Lord. Now, we're introduced to them in the first few verses, but it's only, after, it's only in chapter 2 that we realise that they are bullies. So chapter 2, verse 12, we hear, Eli's sons were scoundrels. 
They had no regard for the Lord. Literally, Eli's sons were sons of wickedness, sons of Belial, and they had no knowledge of the Lord. Now, what a tragedy that is. What a tragedy to have. See, see, the tent of meeting was where the priests lived. Uh, And that was the place where God met with his people. The priests were meant to be mediators between God and the people. And so sinful people like you and me would come to meet with God, but we'd come feeling weak and vulnerable because we'd we'd, we'd committed sin and we knew we needed forgiveness. We knew we needed our sin washed clean. And so we come kind of nervously to the tent of meeting uh, and the priests were the ones who would offer sacrifices on our behalf to bring us forgiveness and cleansing. But the very men who were there to enable relationship with God, the very men who were there to offer sacrifices for your forgiveness, they were scoundrels. And I'm not, we're not talking larrikins like the Aussie type of idea. They were sons of wickedness, sons of rebellion. They had no personal relationship with God. And you think, what a tragedy. How has it come to this that the people who are meant to provide me access to God are actually unsafe and providing a barrier instead? See, what they did is they took advantage of their privileges as priests. So when the people brought sacrifices to God, the priests got to eat part of it, right, as did the people. But these priests, Hophni and Phinehas, would get in there first and take the best of the meat before it had even been offered to God, which was clearly contrary to what God had told them. So if you go to Leviticus chapter 3, and this is like 500 years or so before Hophni and Phinehas, they knew the guidelines God had given for sacrifices. But in Leviticus 3, it says this, the priest shall burn the sacrifice on the altar as a food offering, a pleasing aroma. All the fat is the Lord's. This is a lasting ordinance for the generations to come. Wherever you live, you must not eat any of the fat or any of the blood. But Hophni and Phinehas, they didn't care. They had no regard for God. They had no love or concern about the people. They were greedy and gluttonous and self-serving. And so in 1 Samuel chapter 2, verse 16, if the person said, let the fat be burned first and then take whatever you want, they would get the answer, no, hand it over now or we will take it by force. And verse 17, we're told, this sin of Hophni and Phinehas was very great in the Lord's sight. For they were treating the Lord's offering with contempt. Right? They were going right to the heart of God's relationship with people and despising the whole thing. They were showing contempt for God and contempt for his people. And it gets worse in verse 22. We hear 
They were sleeping with the women who served in God's tent of meeting. I, it, it just, it's just abominable behavior. So what can be done when, when the leaders of God's people are abusive, godless, self-centered bullies? Something has to be done. But what? Now, first we see what I've called an impotent response. Eli... That is Hophni and Phinehas' dad. He, he was the high priest and they were kind of acting as priests under him. He tries to call his sons to account. So have a look at 1 Samuel 2 verse 23. Eli said to his sons, why do you do such things? I hear from all the people about these wicked deeds of yours. No, my sons, the report I hear spreading amongst the Lord's people is not good. If one person sins against another, God might mediate for the offender. But if anyone sins against the Lord, who will intercede for them? His sons, however, did not listen to their father's rebuke. See, Eli is concerned, and rightly so. He calls his sons to account, but it goes no further. They just ignore him and kind of shrug off his criticism. His response was inadequate. He should have been far more urgent and decided. Even though these were his sons, they couldn't keep operating as priests with such contempt for God and his people. But instead of decisive action, Eli just grew fat on the sacrifices uh, that his sons took from the people. So what about today? Well, I want to say if you have experienced bullying or abuse from the leaders of God's people, I am so sorry that that has happened to you. It is a tragedy. And I, I want you to know that and hear that. If there is any way that me or my wife Ruth or any of the leaders of our church can help you work that through, please reach out to us. But speaking on, the, on behalf of the leaders of the Lakes Church, we are committed to making our church safe. We are committed to dealing decisively with any issues like this that come to light. Over the past um, year, I have been involved in writing a new code of conduct and a new grievance policy for our denomination, FIEC, the Fellowship of Independent Evangelical Churches. Um, and our own admin committee are now taking that and using that as a basis to rewrite our own policies of code of conduct and grievance and so on. And what we do, what we want to do and what we are doing is making clear the sort of behaviour that is unacceptable for a leader amongst God's people and the consequences when someone does that sort of behaviour. And we're working hard to make sure that the policies are followed through. Uh, we're working hard to make sure the policies are followed through without the sort of conflict of interest you see with Eli, where it's kind of like his sons, and he's their dad, and how does he kind of call his sons to account? Uh, we want to make sure that there's no prejudice about working these things through. So I'll put the links 
for these things on our prayer and news this week. So you can take a look for yourself. But I also want to say, look, I know that there's lots of things that this passage brings up. And we've got a question time at 10 o'clock via Zoom. Uh, And I just want to invite any of you, if you have any questions about this passage or any of the issues that arise from this passage or any things uh, that you want to talk about or make comments about, uh, please join me uh, online uh, at 10 o'clock. I'd I'd love to have your interaction, even if you want to stay kind of silent in the background and just put a few questions out there or listen to the questions of others. What we don't want here at the Lakes Church is anything like the situation in 1 Samuel, where bullies and abusers harm the people of God. Now, in contrast to the impotent response of Eli, God steps in. So we're going to hear the next part of this story on a a video Bible reading. So I'll cut to that now. Hello, everybody. I'm Lee Beeman. And it's good to share with you this morning in this way. We'll be reading from the Old Testament, first book of Samuel, second chapter, verses 27 to 36. This is a prophecy against the house of Eli, and it's pretty serious, but there's a good point near the end. Now a man of God came to Eli and said to him, this is what the Lord says. Did I not clearly reveal myself to your ancestors' family when they were in Egypt under Pharaoh? I chose your ancestor out of all the tribes of Israel to be my priest, to go up to my altar, to burn incense, and to wear an ephod in my presence. I also gave your ancestors' family all the food offerings presented by the Israelites. Why do you scorn my sacrifice and offering that I prescribed for my dwelling? Why do you honour your sons more than me by fattening yourselves on the choice parts of every offering made by my people Israel? Therefore, the Lord, the God of Israel, declares, I promised that members of your family would minister before me forever. But now the Lord declares, far be it from me. Those who honour me, I will honour but those who despise me will be disdained. The time is coming when I will cut short your strength and the strength of your priestly house so that no one in it will reach old age. And you will see distress in my dwelling. Although good will be done to Israel, no one in your family line will ever reach old age. Every one of you that I do not cut off from serving at my altar I will spare only to destroy your sight and sap your strength and all your descendants will die in the prime of life. And what happens to your two sons, Hophni and Phinehas, will be assigned to you. They will both die on the same day. I will raise up for myself a faithful priest who will do according to what is in my heart and mind. I will firmly establish his priestly house and they will minister before my anointed one always. Then everyone left in your family line will come and bow down before him for a piece of silver and a loaf of bread and plead, appoint me to some priestly office so I can have food to eat. So in contrast to uh, Eli's impotent response, here is God's decisive response 
response. Bullies make our lives miserable. And when bullies come and show contempt for God and his people, and and when they make our lives miserable and unsafe, God will take severe action. And this passage is a prophecy that we will see played out next week. uh, If you come back uh, next week uh, in chapters four to six, Eli and his family are removed from their position of privilege Hophni and Phinehas both die on the same day. But I want to point out, God continues to deal decisively with bullies and abusers today. So when Jesus came amongst us, Jesus was so full of compassion and gentleness and kindness. You know, he welcomed little children to come to him. He was just such... He is such a beautiful man in so many ways. But Jesus' harshest words were directed towards abusers. So I want to give you one example where Jesus, you can see his anger boiling up. He says, if anyone causes one of these little ones, those who believe in me to stumble, it would be better for them to have a large millstone hung around their neck and to be drowned in the depths of the sea. They're fierce words from Jesus. They're they're uncharacteristically fierce words from Jesus' lips. But he speaks them out of his heart of love and compassion. Because he loves his people, because he loves the vulnerable, the children, the weak, he wants to do everything he can to keep us safe. And when someone comes and makes us unsafe and miserable and puts a barrier between us and God, Jesus Jesus will deal decisively with that, and so will his Father God. So back in uh, 1 Samuel, God's decisive response is seen in judgment on the bullies, but he also raises up a better leader. Uh, And we've been hearing hints about this right from the start of this book. This little boy, Samuel, God's gift to Hannah, uh, the gift that she then gave back to serve in the tent of meeting under Eli. So as we hear of the wickedness of Hophni and Phinehas, We also catch a glimpse of what God is doing, raising up a better leader behind the scenes. So chapter 2, verse 18. Samuel, but Samuel was ministering before the Lord, a boy wearing a linen ephod. Verse 26. And the boy Samuel continued to grow in stature and in favor with the Lord and with the people. Verse 35. I'll raise up for myself a faithful priest who will do according to what is in my heart and mind. So at the, very, at the very point where Israel's leaders are making them feel unsafe, God is raising up a better man for the job. Uh, and we come to our final Bible reading where we pick it up from chapter 3. So open your Bible there. Hey everyone, I'm Harry. Uh, today we're going to be reading 1 Samuel chapter 3, verses 1 to 10. I'll give you guys just a quick moment to open up the Bibles if you've got them there.
The boy Samuel ministered before the Lord under Eli. In those days, the word of the Lord was rare and there were not many visions. One night, Eli, whose eyes were becoming so weak that he could barely see, was lying down in his usual place. The lamp of God had not yet, been, had not yet gone out and Samuel was lying down in the house of the Lord where the ark of God was. Then the Lord called Samuel. Samuel answered, Here I am. And he ran to Eli and said, Here I am, you called me. But Eli said, I did not call. Go back and lie down. So he went and lay down. Again the Lord called Samuel, and Samuel got up and went to Eli and said, Here I am, you called me. My son, Eli said, I did not call. Go back and lie down. Now Samuel did not yet know the Lord. The word of the Lord had not yet been revealed to him. A third time the Lord called Samuel, and Samuel got up and went to Eli and said, Here I am, you called me. Then Eli realized that the Lord was calling the boy. So Eli told Samuel, Go and lie down. If he calls you, say, Speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. So Samuel went and lay down in his place. The Lord came and stood there, calling as at the other times, Samuel, Samuel. And um, then Samuel said, Speak, for your servant is listening. Thanks, Harry. Uh, So I want you to notice verse 7. So chapter 3, verse 7. Now Samuel did not yet know the Lord. Now the important word there is the word yet. Hophni and Phinehas, they knew about God. They knew his word, but they deliberately rejected God. They did not know the Lord. Now Samuel hears the word of God, and although he doesn't recognize God's voice straight away, by the end of the night, he will recognize and obey the word of God. Verse 10, by the end of the night, Samuel replies, speak, speak, Lord, your servant is listening. And although the word Samuel receives from God is a heavy word. So remember, Eli's family has kind of now adopted Samuel. And the word Samuel hears is a word of judgment against Eli and his household. Uh, Samuel does not kind of water it down. He does not alter the word of God in any way, but he speaks it faithfully, if you read to the end of chapter 3. God has raised up Samuel to be his priest and prophet. And we will continue Samuel's story next week. Uh, Tune in again then. But God has raised up for us an even better priest, the Lord Jesus. Uh, And so good to be, to have him as our high priest. I want you to listen to how, how it's expressed in the letter to the Hebrews. Listen to these beautiful words. I'll throw them up on the screen. We do not have a high priest who is unable to feel sympathy for our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet he did not sin. Let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. See, in the days of Hophni and Phinehas, 
when the people of God came to receive forgiveness and cleansing from God, the priests who were meant to be mediating and offering their sacrifices, they were bullies, self-serving, abusive. So coming to the tent of meeting felt unsafe. It became a real barrier to relationship with God. But when we come to God, it's, it's Jesus who meets us. And Jesus has already offered the perfect sacrifice in our place. Uh, and so our sin has already been cleansed. He loves us. He has compassion on us. And he deals so gently with us. Listen to what it says in Hebrews 7:26. Such a high priest truly meets our need. One who is holy, blameless, pure, set apart from sinners, exalted above the heavens. How different from the corrupt bullying of Hophni and Phineas. Praise God that it is Jesus who stands representing us before God. He will never abuse you. He will never refuse you. If you come to him, he is gentle. Uh, he deals with us sympathetically in our weakness. Cast your cares, cast your confession on him and trust his intercession on your behalf. Now, if you want to get to know Jesus more, we would love to help you. And we would, if you reach out to us, we will do anything we can to help you get to know Jesus as your high priest, as the one who brings you forgiveness uh, and who meets your needs before God. For me personally, something that has helped me in the past month is reading a, a great little book called Gentle and Lowly. Um, and the subtitle is The Heart of Christ for Sinners and Sufferers. I've just got it on my Kindle, uh, but yeah, I recommend uh, you might pick it up. Most mornings I read a chapter before I pray. And, at the, and, and each chapter takes us to the emotional heart of Christ. And we find he's not stingy, unwilling or harsh. He's compassionate, loving, merciful, ready to help us in our weakness. So listen to what it says uh, when it's talking, this book is talking about Jesus, our high priest. It says this, look to Christ. He, he deals gently with you. It's the only way he knows how to be. He is the high priest to end all high priests. As long as you fix your attention on your sin, you will fail to see how you can be safe. But as long as you look to this high priest, you will fail to see how you can be in danger. Looking inside ourselves, we can only anticipate harshness from heaven. Looking out to Christ, we can only anticipate gentleness. So come to Christ. Let me lead us in prayer. Will you pray with me? Oh God, our Father, we live in a world
where there are so many people, so many forces that threaten to harm us or abuse us. We thank you that you care, that you have compassion, that you love us. We thank you that you will call evil people to account before you, that they will not get away with it. Please protect us from evil. Please heal us from any hurts we already have. And we thank you for Jesus, our compassionate, merciful high priest. We thank you that he sympathizes with us in our weakness. And we bring our sin before you even today. Please forgive us through the sacrifice and priestly work of Jesus. We cast our cares on you. Please protect us, provide for us, and strengthen us in the days to come. We pray for our church and our leaders. Please keep us humble. Please stir our leaders to be like Christ and lead people to him because he deserves all the glory and all the praise. Amen.